Hello, greetings and salutations. Welcome to the show dedicated to revisiting films, albums and video games and ask anyone for seconds. I am your host Dave. Hi, how are you? Lockdown? What did you do? Oh, it's the whole country. Okay, makes sense. How's work? Well, you know what? I don't think I want to know. You know what I do want to know? What are we covering this week? Well, it's album week, so we're heading back to 2003 and take a look at the sophomore album by those teenage dirtbags Wheaters as they ask us to hand over your loved ones. Wait, second album? I thought they were one-hit wonders. Well, that is where you'd be wrong, my friends. Which leads us nicely and conveniently into our famous context dump. Wheatus actually have released six albums, two EPs and a live album. That's more than you realised. And I own the majority of them. And I've even seen them live. Anyway, moving on. So, Hand Over Your Loved Ones was released in September 2003 by Columbia Records, a subsidiary of Sony. The bit about Sony, remember that, it's important. So the recording of the album took place in the summer of 2002 for its eventual release the following year. Upon its release, the band began a major dispute with the label over being asked to lip sync on UK music TV show Top of the Pops. As a result, the album and only single from the album, American in Amsterdam, was heavily underpromoted, if at all. The album received little press in the UK due to the dispute, and it didn't even receive a release in the US. How ridiculous! Having grown tired of petty disputes, the band broke free of their record contract in October 2004 to form their own record label, Montauk Mantis. In February 2005, we just re-released Hand Over Your Loved Ones as Suck Phony, a spoonerism of Fuck Sony. <laughs> I see what you did there. Told you Sony was important. The re-released album included two new songs, recorded especially for the release. For a short time, the Suck Phony album title was actually printed on shirts and available to purchase from the band's website. It was a defiant statement by a band that wanted to continue, and still do to this day. Wheaters, at time of recording this episode, are recording their seventh album and preparing a 20th anniversary extended edition of their debut album, 20 years old. Good Lord. There was slated to be a tour to celebrate the 20th anniversary, but due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, nothing's been announced. Due to the poor publicity of the album at the time, I struggled to find reviews. As a result, there isn't actually an aggregate score from critics. However, I did find a few reviews. I did find a review from UK newspaper, The Guardian, who gave it a scathing one out of five stars. They stated the music is muddled, there are melodies that replicate the pre-programmed irritants on Casio keyboards and guitars that either screech or saunter. Website entertainment.ie gave the album three out of five stars, saying that the album is essentially a carbon copy of its hugely successful predecessor, and is a lightweight collection of chirpy pop songs. That's all I could find. Sorry, my dear listeners, it's not like I didn't try, because believe me, I did. 
I honestly think because obviously the record label didn't push the album like they were supposed to, and no US release. That's why there's no real sort of score. Now we have the lengthy, girthy, frothy context dump out of the way. Shall we ask that question that we all know and love? Who wants ice cream? Wait, that's not it. It's actually time to ask anyone for seconds? Let's get into it. So at a surprising length of 48 minutes, the album doesn't hang about. We're straight into the lead and only single of the album, An American in Amsterdam. The, store, the song tells the story of, well, An American in Amsterdam. It's catchy pop rock at its finest, with a hint of Americans getting stoned. The opening lick is so simple, but yet so catchy, you can't help but get it stuck in your head. As previously stated before, your album opener needs to hook the listener and prepare them for how the album is going to sound. <laughs> With its scathing wit and simpleness, I'd say mission accomplished. Although it may not be as strong a single as Teenage Dirtbag was from their self-titled album, Amsterdam manages to sound familiar and yet different enough to be its own thing. It's definitely one of the album's highlights for sure. If it doesn't get stuck in your head, well, were you even listening? Track 2, the song that I wrote when you dissed me. It's not exactly lyrical poetry. However, that Brendan B. Brown, the band's songwriter and frontman, God, he doesn't half know how to write a bloody chorus. It's catchy, nonsensical and feels good. I do think that some of the lyrics are somewhat problematic now especially when it comes to insulting the individual who the song's aimed at. Now, Brendan, mate, gay isn't really a great insult. No. In fact, gay isn't an insult, all right? If you can overlook that, this is a fairly catchy track, which you can triumphantly scream your heart out to. The definitive anthem for bullied teens. Anyway, that's the name of track three. Anyway. Seriously? It's called Anyway. So anyway... On this track we get some magnificent organ slash keyboard work, which is a nice change of pace, with that wah-wah style guitar work. This love song, it definitely feels relatable with its lyrics about awkward wayward people being so different and trying to find some common ground. This easily could have followed Amsterdam as a single, but it wasn't meant to be. Still, this is a great catchy track that speaks on many levels. Strong start Wheatus, can it keep going? We get to Freecom. This is where, for me anyway, the album halts to a stop. However, that chorus, oh man. I haven't mentioned how Brendan can write a fine-ass sing-along chorus. This one is joyous. It's a vertly melodic chorus of backing singers. The rest, though, it's not particularly interesting. You get the wah-wah porn-style funk guitar. Not that I know what that sounds like, having never seen porn, like, ever. And Funky Bass, there's not quite as committed to the whole ordeal as the guitar is. It's pretty forgettable overall, but it's still worth a listen despite its flaws. Know what I fancy right now? A nice, tall glass of lemonade. In Lemonade, Brandon channels his inner teenager as he asks his lover, was his dick bigger than mine? A fair question that doesn't get answered, thankfully. Although it's puerile and not clever, the song is a cathartic release and needed at this point. With another mass sing-along style chorus, this is Wheaters doing great work. The band on fine form, a tight, well-oiled machine, while remembering the blowjobs on the bus. Is it any wonder that Teenage Dave was drawn to Wheaters? 
yeah, all right, it's not exactly Edgar Allan Poe, but it does great work to make you feel good. But not the blowjob on the bus type feel good, but, you know, soul cleansing good. Highly recommend this track. Now onto the deck. This one seems like filler. Doesn't do anything special. It's standard pop rock stuff. And that's fine for what it is, but it seems extremely out of place on a collection of, well, pop songs with a hard edge. Next, we've reached Fairweather Friend. This is more like it. After the dirge of the deck, we get that catchy chorus hook of Hey, come on, boy. Once again, addressing the old adage of friends who only appear when it suits them. It's something that's universal for all to get on board with. This track has a great breakdown, if you call it a breakdown, that acts as a brief respite for you to calm down before that final triumphant single. Hell, we even get a small bass guitar solo, which is new for the album at this point. The variation keeps things fresh and shocks you into a small air guitar moment. Well, for me anyway. I don't know if you would. Triumphant, boisterous and fun. And solid as always, Wheaters. Where do we go next from here? i tell you where we go next from there. A child counts on this into the eighth track called Randall. Randall, it's another great catchy hook on this one with the do run run, do run run motif in the chorus. This one feels a little bit autobiographical, with Brendan addressing the listeners about what it's like being in a then hugely successful band and how to cope with the fame. With that sing-along chorus, this track manages to redeem itself from being standard pop rock drivel. It's a fully fleshed out track, but for my money, it doesn't really do anything special to warrant re-listens. However, it's always good to get a sing-along track every now and again, just so you feel connected to the whole experience. We head to the penultimate track now, Whole Amoeba. From those opening strums on the guitar, you can't help but tap your foot along. So when the band finally kicks in, you start to nod your head as well. You feel like it's building to something. You know it is. You can feel it inside. Then you get the glissando on the keyboard, and there it is. The euphoria you've been waiting for. Yes! It makes you feel alive and at peace. Well, it does for me anyway. The added banjo is a nice touch too. You can't help but applaud the band's willingness to experiment and non-conformity to traditional instrumentation, especially for pop music. When was the last time you heard a pop song as euphoric as this that had a banjo on it? Cotton Eye Joe doesn't count before you start, so don't. Then we get Dynamite Satchel of Pain. Now, for me, it's not a great album closer. We get Brandon playing a character who, well... He makes a bold claim that not only are his balls bigger than the aforementioned Dynamite Satchel of Pain, he also claims that he's raised by a Portuguese ninja who taught him to fight. It's nonsensical, and it's not quite what I wanted for an album closer. To be fair though, I don't actually know how I'd close the album, because it's a real mixed bag of tracks. Although I do love the saxophone noodling towards the end of the track. We always need saxophone. And with that, we are out. Or are we? Turns out we've got hidden tracks. Ooh, how exciting. Well, we are treated to two demo versions of the song that I wrote when you dissed me. It's nice to hear the evolution of the track from hard edge pop rock to something that's more in line with the traditional Wheater sound. I love hearing different versions of songs from demos and how the song took shape. So this was a really nice addition. Maybe, after all, these two hidden tracks were the proper way to end the album because Dynamite at Satchel of Pain, as catchy as it can be and as fun as it wants to be, it's not a strong track.
based on this experience. We'll cover an album in the future that was originally leaked in demo form. Hook and tease, hook and tease. So, overall, I actually really like this album. It's the kind of thing that you'd blast in a car loudly during a summer road trip. In that sense, it reminds me of something like Blink-182's Enema of the State album. They're short songs that benefit from having that catchy hook in them that you can sing to. It's a shame that Hand Over Your Loved Ones wasn't given that extra push by the record label, as it's a fun pop rock record. Sure, it's immature, it's not exactly well refined, but that's what gives it charm. It wasn't quite the follow-up people were wanting following Wheatus' debut, but it stands strong enough to be its own thing. It's definitely worth a listen, though. But take it from me, get the Suck Phony re-release as it will directly support one of the most hard-working bands in pop rock. And you get two cool extra songs. How's that for a bargain? Although I haven't said this, Brendan B. Brown did also help write the McBusted album. So if you bought that album, then you, you know, you kind of indirectly help support Wheatus. So ha! Sucks to be you if you hate Wheatus. Although, how can you wait hate Wheatus? They're fun, and that's the whole appeal of them. And I think that is probably why I gravitated towards them when I was much younger. Hell, I will still listen to them now. And like I've said before, I went to see them. And they, honestly, are a truly fantastic live band. I even They even played some of the tracks off of this album, which I didn't think they would do. And you know what? They sound even better live. And also, while I'm thinking about McBusted, it's a great album. Fight me. Alright? If you don't like my opinion on McBusted, why not tell me? We're on Twitter as at anyone podcast and also have a lovely Facebook page. Search for it. You'll find it. Don't forget to leave a like, review and rating on your podcast platform of choice. We're everywhere you can get podcasts. So you haven't really got an excuse. It helps grow this lovely little pod and motivate me to go weekly. Technically we already are, but sometimes it's nice to feel wanted. Anyway, I'm going to leave you now with a song of some sort. Maybe we just cover in one direction. That's if I can find it online. Thank you, stay safe, and keep going. You got this.